This episode of Ham Talk Live is brought to you by Tower Electronics. For connectors, cables, and more, call 920-435-2973 or visit pl-259.com. And by ICOM. Heard it? Worked it? Logged it. Visit www.icomamerica.com slash amateur for more information about ICOM radios. It's Ham Radio. Good evening, everyone. It's Ham Talk Live, episode number 146. Making the most of satellite time, recorded live on Thursday, December 27th, 2018. I'm your host, Neil Rapp, WB9VPG. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Ham Talk Live. Tonight, we're joined by Drew Glassbrenner, KO4MA, and we'll take your calls live in just a few minutes. Last week, Josh Ward, W3ARD, was here to talk about high-altitude ballooning. And if you missed that show, you can listen anytime at hamtalklive.com or your favorite podcast app or YouTube. So uh, get your questions ready to go. After the interview, you can give a Drew and I a call the telephone number will be 812-NET-HAM-1, 812-638-4261. Uh, it's not time to call yet, but uh, when we uh, announce that later on in the um, third segment here, we'll uh, give you that number again. But So you have that ready. It's 812 812- Six three eight four two six one. You can also tweet us. We're at Hamtalk Live on Twitter, so we'll be checking that throughout the night as well. I'll be back with Drew right after this word from Icom America, right here on Hamtalk Live. For the love of the holidays, surprise your favorite ham this season with the gift that's on their hot list. The holidays are just around the corner and ICOM has plenty of cheer for everyone. The IC7610, the SDR every ham wants, and just in time for the holidays. This high-performance SDR has the ability to pick out the faintest of signals, even in the presence of stronger adjacent ones. The ICOM IC7610 is a direct sampling software defined radio that will change the world's definition of an SDR transceiver. It has RF direct sampling, 110 dB RMDR, and dual digicel. The IC7300 is changing the way entry-level HF is designed. This high-performance innovative HF transceiver with a compact design will far exceed your expectations. It includes RF direct sampling, 15 discrete bandpass filters, a large 4.3-inch color touchscreen, real-time spectrum Spectrum scope and SD memory card slot. The ICR30 is raising the bar on DC to daylight receivers. Powerful yet easy to use, the ICR30 is packed full of features you have come to expect from ICOM. The perfect stocking stuffer, the ID51A Plus 2, provides new modes for extended D-Star coverage. Enjoy integrated GPS, independent AM-FM receiver, and free Android apps. For all of these products and more ICOM radios, visit icomamerica.com slash amateur for more information. Two antennas met on a roof, fell in love, and got married. The ceremony wasn't much, but the reception was excellent. You're listening to Ham Talk Live with Neil Rapp. Thanks to ICOM America for sponsoring the show again tonight. They help bring you Ham Talk Live. Check them out at icomamerica.com slash amateur. All kinds of good stuff on there and uh, another new rig coming out soon. So you got to check that out. 
Tonight, Drew, if I can talk, Drew Glassbritter, K-O-4-M-A, is here. He's the Vice President of Operations for AMSAT and a board member of AMSAT. That's the Radio Amateur Satellite Corporation. Drew is a geologist in the greater Tampa, Florida area, now working for his own company, Karst Evaluations, where he studies karst formations and investigates sinkholes. Drew works a lot of FT8 in addition to all of the satellites, so we're glad that Drew is back with us again tonight. So, Drew, welcome back. Thanks, Neil. Glad to be back with you guys tonight. Now, you know, I didn't even think of this, but but whenever I, I read your bio here, I'm not sure if uh, if you were on before or after my trip to Florida this summer when the the Disney Ears van ended up in a sinkhole. I don't know if you heard about that one. If I did, I don't remember it, but uh, it doesn't surprise me. <laughs> yeah, somebody was was drilling a little too close to the ham shack, and um, the front tire of the van ended up in a, a sinkhole that magically appeared. I don't think that's the magic they quite plan on at Disney World. I, I'm sure it was all fixed before the sun went so, down. But yes, it, it was it was fixed pretty quickly, and uh, luckily. Uh, the damage was minimal, so uh, thank goodness for that. Well, we're not talking geology tonight, although you and I could probably talk science here for a while, but uh, we're here to talk about some of the satellite stuff, and when we're talking tonight about making the most of satellite time, being efficient and um, using you know, some etiquette and protocols and stuff not that we're on some power trip trying to tell everybody what to say and that kind of thing but to to allow for some more efficient use of this limited supply of time that we have on the satellites uh you know it's it's just so critical when you have you know seven to fifteen minutes uh and that's it that's all you have uh and you're all trying to use the same frequency, there's some strategies that you can use to make some contacts while leaving time for others to do the same. And and we've got a, a handout that was uh, brilliantly written by Sean Kutzko, KX9X, that just uh, was sent out on Facebook and Twitter and is also in the um show description here um on the audio feed if you look at the description the link is there so if you want to uh read along on some of that uh it's a short three-page document that was written that that does a good job of summarizing some of this stuff that we're going to talk about tonight but but let's talk about some etiquette and strategies and protocol you know for to try to help make the most out of this limited supply of satellite time we have? Well, one of the things that uh, I want to point out is that um, while we're discussing this, keep in mind this is about the FM repeater satellites. And they're single channel, single frequency. Uh, Everybody shares the same input and output, and only one person gets through at a time. That's about a quarter of the fleet that is up there. Uh, and the rest of them are digital and transponder satellites that use uh, digital modes or sideband or CW, where there's a, a, a passband that uh, multiple conversations, QSOs, can happen at one time. So everything we're going to be talking about tonight uh, is with regard to FM satellites. Uh, some, of the, some of the most important things to making FM satellites work uh, is that it's a shared resource. And people have to understand that that everyone needs to get a chance and you have to share the past with others. So operating styles uh, like you would see on HF, parking on one frequency and calling CQ and letting people come to you, those generally don't work out well on a shared resource like an FM repeater. Uh, you'll see different 
recommendations on how to operate through the pass, but the ones that that share the pass with everyone uh, and are the most efficient are the ones that are going to get the most contacts for everybody in the log, yourself included. One good example of that, uh, and it just popped up on the AMSAP bulletin board tonight, is someone asked if it was okay to basically just say your call sign in your grid square when you were looking for a contact. And that works. Uh, a lot of people do that. But it's not the best method by far. Uh, what happens, especially on SO50, which is the, probably the hardest of the FM satellites to hear, is that you'll see people doing this, just repeating their call sign and maybe their grid square over and over, fishing for a contact. Uh that's also what happens when people can't hear the satellite as they repeat their call sign again and again. So if you want to rise above that and, and actually make some contacts in a, a quick fashion, listen. Uh, listen to who's making contacts on the pass. If you hear uh, someone that, that is answering calls and making calls and, and making QSOs, uh, pick that call sign out and give them a call. You know, if, if I hear uh, W5PFG making lots of contacts uh, and I'm trying to make my first contact or I'm not really uh, up to speed and then I'm kind of a newbie on it, pick him, pick his call sign out and give him a call. W5PFG from KO4MA, EL88. Bang. What happens is that he knows that you can hear and he's going to invest his time to make the call back and make the QSO with you. And that is so much more productive than just repeating a call sign over and over. One of the things I do is I, I will do that one time. I'll say, you know, here I am in this grid square, you know, but then that's it. I, I don't keep doing that over and over again because, you know, I want people to know, hey, I'm here if you need this grid square, but I'm not going to tie everything up doing that, you know, 10 times during pass. Right. Certain, once or twice certainly isn't a bad thing, and it's a way to to put it out there that you're there. And if the other operators know that you're a capable operator and it, it, you can hear the satellite, they'll call you if they want to make a contact. Uh, but first getting started, a lot of a lot of guys get into that habit and they never they never grow past it. So it, it it's kind of funny. Sometimes you'll hear four or five people on a pass and they just kind of round robin announcing themselves well if you're gonna be on a pass to talk to somebody call somebody it works a lot better that way yeah couldn't agree more and one of the things that i've heard and and i just went through this because i really just got started in this a a year or two ago um and i've been trying to help some others along the way and it's like okay i've got my antenna i've got everything you know i've listened to a few passes it's really busy it goes really fast so when do i you know when do i jump in when when should i jump in because if if you do like you do on a on a normal terrestrial repeater or an hf frequency and wait until there's this you know 30 second opening you'll never get a contact because <laughs> it's just not going to happen. It's a limited shared resource. And so you're not going to find a 30-second window of dead air most of the time unless you operate, you know, in the middle of the night or something. So when do you call a station and, and when do you – uh, you know, kind of give up on the on the person who didn't get a response right away, and go ahead and and make another call. Well, it's it's really fast paced. It's kind of like contesting in that regard or DXing in that regard. Um, you'll hear the passes that go really well. There's usually only a one or two count sort of beat before the next call or QSO starts. So bump, bump, and then the next one's going. Um, and that's okay on FM satellite. Uh, now, some of the some of the things you have to watch out for, just like on a terrestrial repeater, 
And anybody who's tried to check into the Wednesday night Aries net knows this, uh, is sometimes two people will key up at the same time. Uh, if they're half duplex, that means not being able to hear their own downlink. Uh, they won't know that they're interfering with each other. So one of the, one of the things that's very important to make FM satellite passes flow and not be full of log jams and, and QRM each other is to use full duplex. Now that doesn't mean you have to go out and buy the latest full duplex radio or, you know, you can do full duplex with two Balfangs most of the time. Uh, oh, wait a minute. He, he said the word Balfang. <laughs> or, or Wushan or whatever the, okay. the radio. Okay. The mobile. No, I, ha- I had to play the Balfang song there. <laughs> oh, we, we got it in. All right. Uh, it's, it's, it's true, you know, that it doesn't take a fortune to get full duplex on the FM satellites. Uh, you can use whatever two meter or 70 centimeter transmitter you can find that has PL tone on it. And you can use a $5 scanner for the receiver off of the table at the ham fest. Uh, and I've done it. Uh, you know, you can go to a ham fest with a, a $40 and likely come out with two radios that wouldn't allow you to work full duplex. So it's not hard and it's not expensive. What it does allow you to do is make sure you're not QRMing somebody else by doubling, and it also allows you to adjust your antenna for both pointing and polarity while you're transmitting. If you key up and you hear yourself back, but you're a little ratty, you know, you're not quite full quieting into the satellite, you can twist that arrow or elk, or you can point it around, swing it around a little bit, try to get it right on the satellite and peak that signal up. Uh, those are some of the tricks you can do with full duplex. And it's, it's very important that, that people strive to that. I'm not saying if you're half duplex, stay off the satellite. I'm saying recognize that it's a limitation that affects you making QSOs and will also affect other people making QSOs. All right. Now, to emphasize this a little bit, being being the teacher that I am, I, I went out there in search of some examples of, you know, really good passes and really bad passes. And thanks to Patrick WD9EWK for uh, allowing me to use his uh, vast supply in the Dropbox of uh, of all of his contacts. Uh, to try to find some. So I, I, I picked out a couple here. Uh, we're going to listen to a couple of them, and then we're going to talk about them a little bit. So first of all, we're going to listen to a, a pretty clean pass. This one's a pretty good pass where people wait for others to finish and, and are pretty efficient with the use of their time. So we're going to listen to that right now. Okay, so that was a pretty efficient pass. Not a lot of dead air, not a lot of uh, extra banter or uh, anybody stepping on anybody. Uh, but but that's that's fast. That's very fast and, and, and efficient, and you can hear that that sort of one two beat in between contacts. Uh, everybody was using phonetics in their full call sign and their grid squares. And it was just very efficient, very good pass. Um, and if I had to guess, it, it probably was a pass that was a little further out west uh, where there's fewer people on. And that's that's one thing that can make a big difference on a pass. The East Coast has got a lot of people you trying to use the satellites. It gets a little less out towards the West Coast, uh, so things are a little bit easier sometimes. Same thing with time of day. If you're trying to trying to uh, work a pass at you know noon on Saturday, it's going to be busy. Everybody's home, everybody's out. 
if you're trying to work a pass at 3 a.m. on a Tuesday, you might even have a hard time finding somebody to talk to. So the off-schedule sort of passes uh, and the passes that don't have a lot of land or a lot of population in the footprint are really good ones to get started on and kind of cut your teeth and get to swing at things. Okay, now we're going to listen to what can happen when you don't follow those things. So we're going to listen to a, a clip of um, AO91, and it starts off with my friend Kevin, KK4YEL, talking to K2BSA slash 5, and then after they finish their QSO, well, yeah, you can tell what happens next. Okay, that was just painful. Yeah, what a mess. <laughs> I mean, you had people tra- trampling on top of each other. You had people getting cut off. You had people jumping in, to, you know, didn't give time for the other person to even try. And all it ended up was one big jumbled mess and nobody got anything out of it at all. Yeah, one big heterodyne and bits and pieces of syllables in there. So one of the things that that jumps out at me about this clip is that it's K2BSA Stroke 5, and that's the Boy Scouts of America uh, during uh, Jamboree on the Air, I think. So there's a station a lot of people would like to make contact with. Uh, So one of the the guidelines in the the article, Sean's uh, article that she sent out earlier, is that uh, rare and portable stations take priority. So if you're on a pass and you hear K2BSA trying to make contacts for the scouts, uh, perhaps that's not the time to call Joe Ham the next town over on the satellite 800 kilometers away and to make your 522nd contact. Uh, and, yes, there's a little bit of sarcasm in there, but you hear it all the time. If... A good operator will have some situational awareness about what's going on during the pass. And that comes from hearing hearing all the other stations, realizing which ones might be rare or have some sort of um, assumed priority that you might want to lend a little time to. And a Boy Scout station would certainly qualify for that. One of the other things that that um, clip emphasizes is the need to be able to hear when you're transmitting along with somebody else and neither one of you are getting in. Uh, and that, again, falls back to having a good antenna system that allows you to hear the satellite and operating with full duplex so you can hear that as it happens uh, instead of hearing the recording from somebody else later and thinking, hey, I was transmitting that whole time. Oh, wow. Wow. Maybe me and the other guy were the reason nobody was getting through because neither one of us knew to, to lay off the hammer for a minute. So, uh, again, it comes back to having a station that, that you can hear the satellite reliably with and having full duplex so you can hear yourself and hear whether you're getting in or not uh, and having the situational awareness uh, to be able to know why everybody's trying to call this one particular station. Uh, sometimes you hear that with grid operations, you know, uh, satellite operators go a little bit crazy for grid squares for their VUCC awards. And when somebody is out and has made the effort to go to a rare grid square to activate it for people, uh, again, it's, it's not the time for a lot of, uh, redundant QSOs that you could have any other day. Maybe, maybe consider making one or two, maybe one with the rare station, or the, the roving station that's on, and then letting other people make some contacts. Um, 
the FM satellites are a shared resource. There's only so much airtime and so many people that are going to be able to get through and make a contact. So on those busy passes, make one or two contacts, uh, unless you're the guy out, out roving or out at the special event and save some, some more for the next day. Uh, and if that doesn't, doesn't feed your, uh, satellite hunger enough, then it's time to move up to the transponders and you can, uh, chat pretty much all day long, uh, uh, every, uh, 15 minutes or so. Well, that's, that's kind of what we were wanting to address tonight was, you know, these things that, uh, that really make operation on the FM satellites a little frustrating sometimes because, you know, this doesn't happen all the time. And I did a show with Ward Silver in zero AX, uh, uh, a few months ago here on ham talk live talking about efficient operators for contesting and you know saying things like please copy and that kind of thing and then you can say whatever you want you can do whatever you want but you also have to take into account that there's a limited amount of time there's a limited amount of resources and i made a comparison between operating satellites and contesting and you know in contesting you're trying to run up the score you're trying to you know get as many contacts as you possibly can and and wasted words just kind of get in your way and if you're not doing that then yeah say whatever you want you know whatever but on satellite there's only a small window of time and it's not just you know not running your score up it's you're not going to make the contact and other people aren't going to be able to make any contacts either and and that's true and it's not a it's not a hard and fast rule again it goes back to situational awareness if i'm on you know i'm down in florida uh i'm i'm as far south as just about any satellite operator in the u.s and uh uh pretty far east among uh those two so i get a lot of passes that are out over the atlantic ocean that might only be five degrees or so along the east coast and you know that's one thing because there may only be two or three people on that type of pass so if you want to say hi and hey good to hear you again whatever you've got time for it because you're aware that there's not this throbbing mass of hams out there trying to get their first satellite contact or their hundredth satellite contact, uh, you know, on, on an FM station or FM satellite. Now, if that passes, say one straight up, you know, through Texas and leaving out through the Dakotas in the North and the whole country's in the footprint, that's the time to really understand, okay, Hey, this is going to be busy. It's going to be fast paced. I need to pick out a call sign of somebody that I want to talk to. I need to call them directly. I need to, to answer them directly, you know, keep the chit chat down. And, and, you know, that contact shouldn't take any longer than 15 seconds. You know, it's, it's a call sign, a grid square, a call sign, a grid square and an acknowledgement. And, and that's all, all it takes. So, you know, it's not, we're not telling people to, to, you know, be regimented and fast and no chit chat. Just be aware of the type of pass you're on uh, and and adjust for it. Well said. And we're going to leave it there. We're going to take a break. And uh, when we come back, we're going to take some questions. We already have a couple of them coming in uh, on uh, the chat here. So uh, we'll take a look at those and talk more about making the most of satellite time with Drew, KO4MA, right after this word from Tower Electronics, right here on Ham Talk Live. I'm sorry to bother you, but I'm having an antenna party, and I ran out of PL259s. Oh, come in. Thank you. Would silver-plated PL259s from Tower Electronics be too good for your guests? Those will be fine. Thank you. You saved my life the other night. Oh, the PL259s from Tower Electronics? Yes, they were very successful at the antenna party. My antenna works like a charm. Then how can you ever thank me? I'll try to think of something. Don't be caught without PL259s. Visit Tower Electronics at a ham fest near you. Or visit them online anytime at pl-259.com. 
or call 920-435-2973. They have adapters, cables, antennas, soldering supplies, and meters, too. The National Voice of America Museum of Broadcasting, located in Westchester, Ohio, just north of Cincinnati, is only two minutes off I-75. The museum is the former home of the Voice of America Bethany Relay Station. Tours are now available every Saturday and Sunday from 1 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time. You can see the control room, a 200,000-watt transmitter, and the most comprehensive collection of inventions by the iconic Powell Crosley, Jr. Also on display is a huge antique radio exhibit and R.L. Drake's personal collection of most every Drake amateur rig ever made. This is a unique opportunity to see the amateur radio in action and have a chance to get on the air from WC8VOA. Admission is only $5 a person. The museum is located close to historic WLWAM and tons of shopping and restaurants. Take a trip to the VOA Museum or visit us online at voamuseum.org. Join the conversation. Give us a call at 812-NET-HAM-1. That's 812-638-4261. Now, here's more Ham Talk Live. Here's the snap. Rap takes the rig. He breaks through the pileup. He's on 80. Now 40. Now 20. 15. 10. Two meters. Touchdown. Ham Talk Live. Thanks to Tower Electronics for sponsoring the show as they have done each and every episode, allowing you to hear Ham Talk Live at 9 p.m. Eastern right here at HamTalkLive.com, and be sure to check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Their HamFest schedule coming up uh, January 5th, Waukesha, Wisconsin, January 18th and 19th, Fort Myers, Florida. January 19th, St. Charles, Illinois. January 26th, they'll be in Collinsville, Illinois and Arcadia, Florida. But you can visit them anytime at pl-259.com. Well, it's time for your calls now. If you have a question for Drew, give us a call. The number is 812-NET-HAM-1. That's 812-638-4261. Or you can tweet us. We're at HamTalkLive on Twitter. And uh, if you're on Spreaker, you can also type a comment, which uh, Blake, uh, let me get his call, N4BWR, uh, did that and wrote in and asked, what is the maximum accepted power level? I often feel like my 5-watt signal is just getting overwhelmed. Well, this is a question we hear a lot, and five watts is kind of a, an easy number, and it's uh, about the power output of an HT, but let's dig into that a little bit uh, and, and try to explain where the problem's coming from or mer- where it may be coming from. So if, if you're operating a satellite with with just a WIP antenna, a quarter-wave WIP, and a five-watt HT, you're undergunned to begin with. So that five watts into a zero dB antenna is five watts EIRP or ERP. Uh, so let's add an arrow antenna to that, just because that's the one I'm most familiar with. An arrow antenna is about eight dB on two meters, I would say, maybe 10 on, uh, on UHF, somewhere around there. Let's say 10 just to make the numbers easy. So now you've got a 5-watt HT into a 10 dB gain antenna. 10 dB is 10 times the power, so now your 5 watts is 50 watts ERP. So now you're, you're getting a lot, a lot easier to get into the satellite, a lot easier to get over any sort of QRM or interference or anything like that. Let's take that one step further. There, there's always an ongoing argument between 
experienced ops in new ops, and that's about tripods. Uh, tripods, a lot of operators use them, and don't get me wrong, if you're incapable or it makes you uncomfortable to hold the antenna by hand, I fully understand and approve of the use of a tripod. But you have to understand the disadvantage you might be getting into with that. Uh, the antennas on most of the satellites are linearly polarized. They're just whips. Your aero antenna is linearly polarized. If you have a mismatch between those, if the satellite antenna is going up, up and down and your antenna is side to side, that's going to be up to about 20 dB of difference, 20 dB of loss between the two. Uh, so your 5-watt signal, 50 watts out of the arrow, ERP, divided by 100 is back down to half a watt. So polarity is really, really important. Twisting your wrist to match, to peak the signal strength on the, the downlink, to peak the signal strength while you're transmitting, listening back through the downlink because you're full duplex. That has way, 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 way more to do with how well you get into the satellite over whether you're running 5 watts out of your HT or 50 watts out of your mobile. Uh, it's all in the antenna work. It's all in the polarity matching. Uh, and that's why you hear experienced ops that can work a pass from horizon to horizon with a 5-watt HT and an arrow because they know how to twist and get that signal peaked. They know how to listen while they're transmitting and get pointed right on the satellite. Uh, and they've got the timing down pat. So, you know, not, not to make light of the question because it's a common question, but it's more about the antenna and more about the pointing and more about the polarity matching than it ever is about power. So this this makes me start thinking back to HF, where, you know, crank up the 1,500 watts to bust the pileups. If you do that on satellite, what are the implications? Well, people are going to realize that you're just stomping on folks and they're going to complain about you and they're going to quit talking to you. And they'll probably send me a nasty email asking me as VP of operations to do something about it. So, you know, you have to be polite. You shouldn't be transmitting on top of anyone on purpose uh, unless it's, you know, uh, QRM or somebody's DMR. Uh, repeater QRM in the uplink or somebody, you know, I'm not saying the guy that's CQing from horizon to horizon that you shouldn't go ahead and make contacts over top of them, but send them an email when you're done telling them that we heard you, but you weren't hearing us. So you really shouldn't be trying to step on top of anybody to begin with. Um, you know, step back, let somebody else make the contact, try again. And uh, that that's much more productive and makes for a a lot lower blood pressure when the pass is over. All right. Well, we have another question on uh, the texting here from uh, this one is from Chris, AA4CB. And uh, Chris wants to know, can you use a VUHF all mode portable like a Yaesu FT991? Oh, sure. Um, now, the 991 will transmit both transmit and receive both FM or CW and sideband. So you could use it on both the linear or the FM repeater satellites. The problem is it's half duplex. So it would be one half of an effective ground station. Uh, use the 991 as a res, uh, transmitter. Uh, use something like a, a RTL SDR dongle for a receiver or a FunCube dongle for a receiver, or, you know, you quite often can find 817s with uh, burnout finals pretty cheap, uh, a couple hundred dollars for something like that, or an R20 scanner with sideband. You, you know, you need a, with the 991, it's half of the equation. You're going to use it either as a transmitter or receiver, and then you're going to need something else as a transmitter or receiver. Maybe an old FT290 or something, old two-meter all-mode that you can find for about 100 150 bucks at HamFest now. 
So you can, but you know, something full duplex would, uh, would work out a lot better or, or like you said, you know, two rigs. Uh, but yeah, that'll work. Okay. Well, we've caught up on the question. So if you have a question, give us a call. Phone number 812-638-4261. Again, that's 812-638-4261. Or you can tweet us. We're at Ham Talk Live on Twitter. And uh, these questions are coming in on uh, Spreaker um, on the uh, comments on the live feed tonight. So uh, if you're on the live feed and you're logged in, you can uh, just post it there, too, and that'll pop up here on the screen but the phone number is 812-638-4261 if you have some questions for drew here while we have him on the line for a few minutes longer uh while we're waiting see if we get some more questions drew can you give us uh an update on some of those interference issues that we've mentioned not here on the show uh some uh some hot spots perhaps uh that that were causing some problems on AO92. Yeah, so uh earlier this year uh we were having lots of problems with uh DMR which has a very distinctive pulsing sound to it when you're listening on analog FM. Uh interference on AO92 on the uplink. Uh we put out some messages, the ARRL repeated it. Uh, we looked some stations up on online through the Brandmeister network and emailed them and asked them to move out of the satellite subband. Uh, and most of those complied. We had some manufacturers that uh, inserted uh, code into their hotspots that uh, excluded those frequencies or suggested that they shouldn't be used in those frequencies. So that was very helpful. Uh, it's not went away completely. It's still there. Uh, we get DMR once in a while through AO92. Uh, we also hear radar through uh, 91 and 92, and there's not much we can do about that. That has a different kind of musical sweeping tone sound to it, and that's the military. That's It's their primary band. Uh, so, you know, we're secondary users, and there's not much we can do about that, but... Uh, uh, if you've got a hotspot or a DMR system or Echolink or any of these sort of auxiliary uh, 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 connections to the digital modes, uh, they shouldn't be in 435 to 438 or 1458 to 146. Uh, look in your local band, band plan or an ARRL band plan and uh, please move those out because you can cause interference. Uh, both on uplinks and downlinks of satellites. All right. We've got another question here on uh, Spreaker, and uh, Rich uh, N4ESS uh, actually stole my next question. Uh, how about an update on AO95? What What's the latest word on AO95? Well, nothing has really changed on it. Um, we're continuing to try... Uh, different things to get us to get it to hear us. Uh, we're working on lining up some really strong uh, EME type uh, stations to uplink to it to see if we can uh, wiggle the the S meter on the satellite. We've got good feedback. We have a, a one of the telemetry lines is the RSSI, the Received Signal Strength Indicator on the satellite, uh, and. On all the other Fox satellites, even AO85, that's kind of hard of hearing, you see that occasionally go from minus 130 to minus 60 dBm, uh, or dB, I forget which one it is. Um, we don't see that on, and that's from radar pulses, like I was mentioning, these big radar systems that are in the 70-centimeter band. We're not seeing that on AO95, so... Uh, we continue to monitor it, watch the telemetry, uh, you know, maybe some thermal cycling will fix whatever the problem is. Uh, but, you know, it, it is what it is. It's it, it's a sad thing. And, and we're we're three out of four on small satellites, which is still are on CubeSats, which is still pretty good. And uh, we'll uh, continue to try to work and try to make the best out of it. And in the meantime, the engineering team is is moving forward on the golf project, which are three U satellites. 
you know, three times as big as the Fox satellites with three times uh, the amount of stuff and three times the complexity in them. So uh, we'll we'll take these lessons uh, and carry them forward with us. 812-638-4261 is the phone number. And thanks for uh, the questions coming in here on Spreaker tonight. And uh, also, uh, you can tweet us. We're at Ham Talk Live. And, um, oh, we've got a uh, question here from KD8VRX. And uh, says, great show. Thanks for the tips. And then build or buy. Any good resource for building your own antenna? Oh yeah, we've got. Uh, you know, I wish I could figure out how to to make it more front and center. But if, if you go to the AMSAT webpage, and then right in the middle of the menu bar it says Satellite Info, you can scroll down that to Station and Operating Hints, and that's a whole list of all sorts sorts of resources for satellites, and there are lots of antennas in there. Uh, off the top of my head, some of the best ones are the WA5VJB Cheap Yagi for satellite, the IOIO, uh, the CJU, uh, AA2TX has two different uh, parasitic Lindenblads for Omnis. I'm normally not a big fan of Omnis except for telemetry collection, but those are, are probably the best of those. So there, there's a lot of links in there uh, in have fun building an antenna. You can build one of Kent's uh, cheap Yaggies for, you know, the cost of a couple of connectors and a couple of feet of coax and some coat hangers. And they work just as good as an arrow. They don't fold up or come apart quite as nicely, but, uh, uh, they're, they're there and they're easy to make. All right. So some good resources. Thanks for the question, Jocelyn. And, uh, actually was working a pass with Jocelyn, yesterday over at the uh, voice of america museum of broadcasting uh for a little bit and then also on hf so good to catch up with you there and uh, and thanks for uh the question on twitter so uh we're just about out of time here but if you have a question uh send it our way it's at ham talk live on twitter or um you can comment on the uh, spreaker system if you're on that some reason the software just locked up and and the sound card just uh just wasn't talking to the software so we did a restart here so uh let's see we will go back um we were talking about power and then we also got another question that came in um, so why don't we pick up with this other question and my apologies because I can't see who sent it right now, but, um, the question was, um, what about, uh, geostationary? Uh, do we have anything geostationary coming up? And, um, so I think that's kind of where we were actually headed, uh, right before things crashed. So Drew, uh, you want to comment on that? Sure. Um, Earlier last year, we had a, a opportunity that we were pursuing with Virginia Tech as the primary, um, uh, primary contact, primary investigator uh, to put a package on a geosynchronous satellite. It would be a Virginia Tech project with AMSAT supporting it uh, through... Uh, building the ground end of it and also operating it for Virginia Tech. Um, that satellite project has been put on hold. The primary project uh, is not moving forward uh, as it originally was. And uh, from what I have been told by Virginia Tech that we could not, they, they wanted uh, a large sum of money uh, and they could not guarantee that they would even ever turn the payload on or how long it would be in orbit. Uh, so it, it turned out to be a non-viable uh, uh, host for uh, an AMSAT or Virginia Tech ham radio payload. Um, nothing, I have not heard any new information on that for a, a while, so I assume that is all still valid. Uh 
On the other hand, we are continuing to look for opportunities to go to higher orbits. It is not something that comes easily or cheaply. Uh, part of the idea of the golf program is to get technologies that are required for higher orbits for independent satellites working in lower orbits uh, before we spend, uh, you know, six or seven digits of money to to get to a higher orbit. Uh, and uh, it, it, it's, it's a disappointment that Phase 4 hasn't moved any further than it has. The Europeans have uh, Phase 4A in orbit and go undergoing commissioning right now, so it, it, it's going to be more and more pressure for us to get something up. And all I can say is that we're working on it, and we need your support now, not after it's launched. Uh, it's expensive to do these sort of things. Uh, we paid $100,000 for a payload suitability study to get on that previous uh, mission. Uh, that's the sort of money that we need just to have a, 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 an opportunity to play in the game uh, and, and get one of these sort of launches. So we're still working on it. And we hope to make progress both with the Gulf satellites and our own independent satellites in higher orbits, as well as uh, a hosted payload on somebody else's satellite. All right. Well, thanks for the update on that. And uh, we are over time here, and uh, part of that was the... Uh, sound card crash so uh we'll go ahead and and let you uh get on your way drew but uh thanks so much for coming on and remind everybody how they can support uh amsat and all of those endeavors well uh glad to be here neil anytime and uh if you want to support amsat mosey on over to amsat.org and we have uh, uh memberships available in the store recurring donations one-time donations and for a little while still, if you join AMSAT, you'll get a free PDF of our Getting Started Guide, which is 170-something pages of satellite happiness for you. All right. Very good. Well, thanks so much uh, for everybody listening out there and for uh, writing in tonight. And uh, that's going to do it for this episode. So that is a wrap. For this week's Ham Talk Live, thanks to Drew Glassbrenner, KO4MA, and everybody out there in cyberspace for listening and writing in. And next Thursday night at 9 p.m., um, Patrick Stoddard, WD9EWK, Endoff uh, Buckley, N6UTC, and David Akins, N6HHR, will be here to talk about special events on board the Queen Mary, W6RO. So, be sure to check that out. And for a list of all of our upcoming guests, visit HamTalkLive.com. And if you like HamTalkLive, please consider leaving us a review on iTunes or wherever you listen. It helps others find us a little faster. So for now, this is Neil Rapp, WB9VPG, saying 7375, and may the good DX be yours.